This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Now, I, I can just tell you, um, I'm going to just share with you how God has changed my life in the space of His presence. Let me just give you a couple different um, moments. One of them, um, I was really struggling in my marriage and uh, didn't know how to really um, avail my love to my wife. Um, I didn't really recognize I was broken and I had been broken in the course of my, um, my life, in my younger years of my life. I wasn't abused as a child or anything like that. And if you have been, I'm sorry. Uh, I know that God can heal you of that same thing. But in my life, there was certain events that had happened that broke me. And uh, especially when it came down to having a relationship with um, a woman. And so in my dating times, usually in my courtship times, I would date two or three times and I would break it up before she could break it up with me. Because I thought inevitably that she's gonna find something wrong with me and before she does, I'm going to end the relationship first. Um, because of a brokenness in my own life. It was not because of her, it was me. I had the problem. And so now here we are, we have a marriage, we've made promises together, uh, we've went down the aisle, we've made a covenant with God, and I'm struggling. And my wife, I would put pressure on my wife, well, you need to tell me you love me more, you need to tell me how great a guy I am, blah, 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 blah. And even if she did those things, um, it didn't matter because I was broken. And what I had heard is this, this speaker had talked about healing of the broken heart. And there's somebody here that needs to hear this because I didn't give this in the first service. And so what I didn't know is um, that a broken heart means this, is you can pour in to a broken heart and it just leaks out. And so my wife would pour into me and it just leaked out. And then I would, I would accuse her of not pouring in and to me, it felt like she didn't because I just leaked out whatever she gave because I was broken. And uh, some of you have gone through broken spirits. Maybe you're even currently going through a broken space in your life. Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. And so one of those times, and I'm sharing this with you because um, uh, we had this guest speaker many years ago come up and teach in the brokenhearted. And you know when the Lord is just talking to you? I know there's a crowd but you feel the Lord is talking right to you and you're kind of looking around, you don't, you know, you mean like, it's like you feel like you're right in his, he's right in your seat with you. And that's how it felt in that moment. And uh, so at the end of the service, there's an altar call, come forward, kind of like what I'm gonna do at the end of the service, if you'd like to be prayed for. And I was a leader in the church and I didn't go forward because I was too, nervous or or too aware of what everybody else would think even though God was talking to me even though God was prompting my heart for a promise I was more concerned about what other people thought of me than I was about what God was doing in me that's the first one and God and so what I did is I uh weeks later Pastor Dwayne 
just say, hey, if anybody needs prayer, you know, at the end of service, I'm here, I can pray for you, kind of again, like what I do, like I do at the end of service. And so um, I made this deal with God. I got out of my seat at the end of service. I said, God, you know, I'm doing this because I feel I'm brokenhearted. I still need to get healed. I'm, I'm still a mess. I'm hurting my wife. I'm hurting our marriage. I need to be fixed. And uh, so I said, so God, I'm making a deal. Just don't embarrass me when I get up there. You ever have one of those deals with God, right? Or maybe you've invited somebody, you know, to church. and You go, God, just don't let it get weird today. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so anyway, uh, I went forward, and I don't remember anything. All I know is, because see, if you come expecting, God comes delivering. And I came expecting. I knew that it wasn't my wife's problem in my situation, it was mine. I knew that I needed to change, and I knew that I was broken in some way, didn't really know where I was broke or how I got broke, but it didn't really matter. It's just like a car that's broke. I don't really care, fix it. It needs to get fixed. And what happened was, is I wanted to be fixed. And, and on the way, I just, because I was still thinking about what other people thought of me, because I know none of you guys ever worry about what other people think of you. I did, I had that problem. I was thinking about what other people thought of me. And I went forward and he laid hands on me and I don't remember anything. All of a sudden, witnesses told me, I got on the floor, curled up like a, and I squealed just like a pig on the floor in pain. But I got up different. Nobody judged me. You know, I could have looked like, honestly, if I would have saw that, I probably, that kid's demon possessed. I mean, there's something wrong with him, you know, but nobody judged me. And I remember getting up, standing around looking. I didn't, I mean, there was a crowd and I didn't look at anybody but Brenda. And with tears in my eyes, I go, I'm really different. Jesus healed me. Second one. And I've had many experiences, but these just happened to be ones with my wife. And so um, we're on our way to Saginaw and we're going to this thing called the cleansing retreat. It's a three-hour tour, all right? And it was the longest three-hour tour my wife ever had. We fought the whole way there. And this is only a few years ago. You'd think we'd grown up over past this, amen? So we fought all the way there. I don't even know what we were fighting about. It doesn't matter what we were fighting about. We were fighting, okay? And so then we get there to get to this church, and all these church people, just like you, got these smiling faces on your face. I wanted to take this smile face and whip right off your face. You know, I was so, I mean, by three hours, man, I was lit up. You know what I mean? And I was going to win this battle. Woman, you got to lose. And she's going, what man, you're going to go down. We were having, that was the kind of battle that was going on inside the car. And uh, so all of a sudden, we, we get out of the car, and all of a sudden, we put on that churchy face. You know, none of you guys do that. I know that, so I'm not talking to you, but just pretend to be with me for a moment. We put on that churchy face, greeted over there, and they're going, I love you, I hate you. I love you, I hate you. I lose you. So, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to have church. And uh, so, and they had this cleansing retreat. Man, did I need some cleansing. Because everything inside of me was dark at this space. And I'm a pastor of Life Change Church. At that space of my time, I didn't care, okay? All I was, I was with a woman that I thought was my enemy, all right? And we were in, over there putting on a face to be in church, and we're gonna get through this thing, and they'd have you come forward. Every, what they do is they have somebody come up and testify, and they testify, and they get really sweet and say, this is what God delivered me of. And you know what? I didn't have any peace in my life, and you're probably struggling with peace in your life. You need Jesus, and so everybody just come forward. 
Everybody come forward. So everybody's got to come forward. And then they lay hands on. And I had, and, and basically I had this assignment. This little lady, she was probably in her maybe seven years old. And she'd look up at me and she'd go, Pastor Ron, is there anything that you'd like prayer for? And I said, I'm good. I'm good. Says, you know, and I says, I, you know, and so anyway, I had no idea. And then this, I, I'm just going through the motions. But I know, again, none of you guys do this. None of you guys go through the motions of church because you're all holy people. You all got it all together, right? And so I'm going through the motions and all of a sudden this one man comes up there and says, I want to talk about abandonment. And something just like literally like an arrow came right off the, right off the stage and shot and hit me right in the heart. I had never even thought of abandonment. I had never even thought, in fact, I got healed in my heart and I had no idea what I was healed of, but it was abandonment. And here I am healed of a broken heart, but here all of a sudden this abandonment. So every time my wife would argue with me, it wasn't a disagreement, it was abandonment. It wasn't to her, but it was to me. And so all of a sudden this ignition, this, this trial, this stronghold of thinking was coming inside of my life and I was literally in a warfare over it. And the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. And I was fighting it. And I looked and I looked at my wife and I go, I said, I'm sorry. And this little old lady, she comes up and she goes, is there any things that, Pastor Ron, that you got some abandonment issues in? And I just looked at her and I go, I got a whole lot. He says, God's talking to me. Will you please pray for me? And she prayed over my life. And again, I want to share with you, I was healed, not just of a broken heart, that abandonment has never, ever had a space in my life again. Ever. The thought of abandonment, the situation of abandonment has never happened. Now, I've watched pastors quit churches over abandonment. I've watched men leave marriages over abandonment. I've watched ladies leave children that just naturally happened. Leave children because of abandonment. And I'm just giving one. It's just a word, right? No, it's a many times. It's an experience. And see, this is what God wants to do in our life. He has a word, healer. And God goes, am I your healer in your life? God has a, a word, redemptive, redemption. Am I, your, am I your redeemer in life? God has a word, love. And today we're going to talk about love. God is love. And so as we talk about this word love, many of us, again, it's in our English translation, and I thought uh, Elder Scott did such a good job with the word sacrifice. I mean, I'm not going to add, you know, I, I'm not going to go over there and try to add adjectives or adverbs into this scenario, but in some way, through scripture and through our study, I pray that love becomes alive inside of you, that God is love. And that you, if you have a relationship with God or any kind of experience with it, you're going to have an experience of love. Just this, um, in the first service, the Lord prompted me to go pray for somebody and over this particular area. And I said, hey, you know what? I said, uh, I go, sir, um, you're struggling in your walk right now because of shame. And shame has got a, a, a grip on your life. And that you need to have love, need a grip on your life. And then after service, he says, well, you know, uh, Pastor, I really wish you could have, you know, maybe, uh, uh, maybe uh, 
labored on that, that thought a little bit more. I, you know, if you could just really tell us how to receive love. And I said, receiving love isn't your problem. You've just received shame. He says, I can give, so let me put it this way. If, you know, there's a lot of carpet squares. Let's just say that there's uh, 2,000 carpet squares in this, in this room. And I give you, I rip up one of them squares, all right? And, we, and we're going to redo your house with these carpet squares. We're, you don't want that, I know. But anyway, listen, we're going to redo your house with these carpet squares. And I rip up one of them, all right? And the one says, this is love. And every other one is shame. When people go into your room, what are they going to hear and see? Are they going to hear and see love? Or are they going to get shame? They're going to walk on shame, think shame, smell shame. Everything in their room is going to be shame because that's all they've ever heard. So I go, sir, if all you think and breathe, you got it. The Bible says take every thought captive. If you feel shame, captivate the thought and make it and turn it into love. If you feel fear, then captivate, grab the word fear and turn it over and say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love. And so today, if we turn with me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, this is the seventh um, message in this series that we're going to conclude this series with this uh, message. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, by God's divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Deliverance, redemption, hope, peace, kindness, healing. These are all promises of God. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us these great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. Which means, if you're struggling with the divine nature, it's because you're struggling with his promises. If you're struggling with his divine nature, it's because you're struggling with his promises. Have you ever had somebody that had, you know, you felt like, man, I don't believe anything you say because you break every promise and you never believe anything they say. Is that how we look at God? Do we struggle believing that what God says is what God's going to do? Okay. These are the promises that enable to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of knowledge, provision of moral excellence, with moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly kindness, and affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Today we're going to be talking about love. The more you grow like this, the more productive and effective you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed of from their old sins. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you help us through your Holy Spirit to understand that we would, Lord, we would grasp what you have in this moment for our lives through the promises, through understanding what love is, what love isn't. Help us, Lord, to walk with you in this life with the power that comes from the next life. 
in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. I have a passage, hopefully you'll write it down in your notes. Um, it's found in 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to start with verse 15. Many of you guys maybe even quote this passage. Uh, 1 John 4, 18, perfect love cast away fear. Boy, would we live in a culture of anxiety and fear today. Good passage, good promise to, to grab hold of, because um, God says where there is his love, there is no fear. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, a couple verses before that. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. So if you declare that Jesus is your Savior, he's your Lord, God lives in you. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's not for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. I looked up on the internet, 10 signs that really kind to uh, give us an understanding of people who are falling in love. I've heard people share with me, well, I'm falling out of love with my, my spouse, or I'm falling out of love in this situation, or I'm just, my love is growing cold. First of all, I'm gonna tell you something, love is a decision, it's not feeling. But with love will come some signs, some emotions. In fact, some of the, you feel like sometimes the coldest place many times you can go to, as far as expression sometimes, is churches. Because somehow holiness or somehow going to church seems to be this sacrament where you can't be expressive. I am so thankful that my wife is expressive in her love. It would be really dry and boring to have a relationship with someone that I feel so, you know, in, in fact, I esteem in my life. And if, if she didn't express any love back, that would hurt. All right. Same thing with God. God gave you emotions. God gave you the, the ability to express. That's why we start every church service with praise. That's why we finish it with worship so that you can express your love, your faith, your understanding of how God is and the more expressive you get. Let me just tell you something. The freer you get in your expression, the freer your walk and devotional life will be. It will. That's why church should be a place where we we. we, we we get weird. Amen? Now, we try to watch out because you can get too weird. Amen? And, and so, they, and sometimes people just are weird for attention. Some people just want to be peculiar because they feel awkward about who they really are. So, weird is, a, is an object of choice just so that they can get attention. I know I used to do really dumb things growing up because the environment was kind of rough. And I would do really dumb things on purpose so that people would laugh at me. You know, I, I, I can tell you a ton, a ton of stories, stories that would really be, are actually kind of hard to believe. I mean, how many people get whipped out of a boat? Me. 
Okay, I've been whipped out of a boat. I've been, I, I can't tell you how many accidents I've been in and motorcycle accidents, car accidents, you know, and all of it, many times it's just because of a foolishness inside of me. I wanted people to be happy. And the only way I feel like it's one of them to have light and enjoy life and, and get not, life is heavy. And so many times people choose to be so heavy and I would just choose to do something stupid. I don't believe you should do that. But that's what I did. And just because I wanted people to laugh, I wanted people to be happier than I was. Inside, I was miserable. Outside, I was trying to make everybody else happy. 11 or 10 signs found on the internet about how you know or you could determine you're falling in love. You're happy and a little bit nervous. You know, I, I can still tell you that um, my wife and I will go um, on a vacation. And I, I, I'm so happy about it because it's just us two. But I'm still a little bit nervous because I'm like, huh. When we're just together sometimes, you know, a lot of times we're talking about the kids. We're talking about church. Now it's just us two. And, you know, and so I don't, I I don't want to let her down. How about God? I don't want to let God down. Every single Sunday service, I am nervous about getting up here. I'm not nervous about being in front of you. I don't want to let God down. Everything feels new and exciting. You know, when you're in a new relationship, when I first got saved, it was so exhilarating. I was so excited. I couldn't, I was like going to church. I mean, I never showed up church early. Then all of a sudden I get saved and I want to go to, I want to be, the door's open. I want to be there. It's because it's all new and it's exciting. It's the same thing with the relationship and marriage. I got 35 years. Is it still new and exciting? Or how about your relationship with God? Is it still new is it new and exciting? When you get in the Bible, is it just kind of boring? Oh, I read that passage before. Uh, Mr. Harris, 86 years old. I don't know, how many of you guys know Mr. Harris? All right. Um, just a great man, Whitehall schools, uh, school teacher for so many years. He sh- you know what he shared with me this morning? He's 86 years old. He goes, you know, sometimes I wish you and I were reading the Bible together. I go, what do you mean? He says, I'll be reading the Bible and all of a sudden, light bulb, something to come alive. And I just want to have that experience with you together. And I go, I have those same moments. I'll have that, you know, that's that. Here he is, 86, and he's been reading the Bible for how many years? Many more years than I have. And yet the Bible's still new and exciting. They're on your mind much of the time. Is God on your mind a lot? He is on mine 24-7. And not because I'm being dumb or doing something. He's on my mind. I'm always, God, what, what would you have me do in this? My wife and I are thinking about, you know, we sold our house uh, a while ago and God, when's the time to build? When, when do you want us to do that? What's the, what's the right time to do that? And, and in, this, in the space of that time, we have no peace to do it. And then Lord, what, in this space, okay, God, now that we're, we're renting our own rental home from ourselves, you know what? So in this time, we're just getting, I'm gonna call it happy feet. My wife and I are just, just learning to be, we live in a, one of our modular homes right now and we're just, we're getting, we're just having enjoyment with each other. And I'm looking at the house and, and I'm thinking, huh, that's not built very well. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at some certain things and stuff and, but you know what? It doesn't matter because it doesn't, our house doesn't make us happy. It's who's in the house that makes you, our identity isn't what we own. Our identity is in our relationship and our relationship with him. And in this space of time, our life is easy. In fact, we don't want to make it harder because we can spend more time with God. And we're doing so. You find a little jealousy on the time. You ever, I have that with my, my wife. I know I've been married for many years. I think she's, I think she's gorgeous. And I'll, once in a while, I'll catch some people looking at her across. I'm like, Rrr. 
I can be like that little, I can be like, like that guard dog. You know, I think there's a little jealousy that's healthy. Do you know that our God is a jealous God over you? He's jealous over your time. He's jealous over where you put all your thoughts. Not that he gets all dark-minded over that, but I think there's a beauty in that part of it where you, you just, you know, you're jealous of each other because you love each other. It's rich. You become more affectionate. God has a book in the whole Bible about romance. Song of Psalm. First time I ever read it, I went, God, this is the weirdest book. I think you should take this book right out of the Bible. This makes no sense. It's caught right in the middle of everything. It doesn't make any sense. You want to know why I thought it didn't make any sense? Because I had no idea what romance was. And I had no idea that's what God was doing with me. He was always knocking on my heart, saying, Ron, I want more. I want more. When, when John the Baptist, known for the most famous saying in the Bible, is this, less of me, more of you, that's what God is saying. How are you going to have less of Ron, more of me, more of God in my life? Again, going on to that space that God wants to do in our lives, you still feel a sense of empathy toward your partner. You ever have that time with God and you want to stick up for God? When people are, you know, people are saying bad things about God? Maybe it's your workplace and people are swearing, cussing, saying God doesn't, you know, God this and God that. You ever have that place where you just want to stick up for God? You, you're, you're, you're just, you, that's, that's that love. Even though God doesn't need you to do that, but that's that love. You want to stick up for your spouse. You want to stick up for your child. You start feeling a sense of empathy toward your partner. You start planning for the future. You know that's what God does with you? In fact, you know what the Bible says? There's this passage we're going to be talking about this in, the, in the weeks to come. Set your mind on things above. Set your affection on things above. You know, we've set our affection on almost everything except on things above. The other day I was um, telling some people about uh, the Upper Peninsula and how beautiful it is there. And I remember when uh, Nick, we took him home one time from the Navy and he had uh, some leave and we went up to Upper Peninsula and we went through all of the, uh, you know, a lot of the falls and, and the, we walked them and we just had a, a great time hiking together and took a lot of our family. We just had a family vacation together. And I started thinking about, wow, that was beautiful up there. And then God said, how beautiful do you think the falls I have? I went, God, I'm, I never thought about it. He goes, exactly. You thought about all these falls and you spent time with your vacation planning, thinking about where you're going to go, when you're going to be there, how much money it's going to take, how long you'd be there. It says, why don't you think about heaven that way? Where you're going to go, how much time you're going to spend there, what it's going to be like. And then, you know, when you get really excited, like you are about vacation, you start talking about heaven more. How many of us talk about heaven? That's because none of you have been mindful of it. Man, if you start thinking about heaven, seriously, I can't wait to get old and get out of here because heaven's so amazing. And yet many of us just don't think of it. We think it's just kind of, well, it's, it's this, this thing, it's on the other side of the cliff called life. And we're just going to fall into it. We don't fall into it. You rise into it. Amen? It's so much better than what you can think or even imagine. In your study goes, number one, love is powerful. It's in God's kingdom. The love I'm talking about is not from this world. 
The love I'm talking about is heaven made. It's divine nature. It is something that God puts inside of you. You will do things you wouldn't normally do. If you ever watched a mother, even in the animal kingdom, they will stand up to something that is literally impossible for them to fight because inside of their nature, the love that they have for their child, the love they have, they will fight off any enemy. That love God has, that love God has for you. And you have a real enemy. Number two, God's word tells us that his love lives in us. His power wants to explode. That love is powerful on the inside. Today, I know love doesn't feel very powerful. But that's not the love I'm talking about. Number three, God's love is expressive. We kind of hit on this a little bit, so I'm going to go over it kind of fast. It, first of all, it builds. Love builds. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You ever been around somebody just you like being around because your life gets built up around them? That's that love of God. It's that love of who God is inside of them. Trust expresses through love. Another passage, if you can memorize this passage, one of them I would ask you to memorize would be this one, Galatians 5, 6. And this is kind of the NLT translation. I don't really like this one as well. It says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Um, the one I like is faith only works by love. So this, when I, when I see somebody struggling with receiving a promise from God, for instance, I shared with you that I was brokenhearted. I wanted to be a great husband. I didn't know how to be a great husband because I was brokenhearted. It wasn't because I'm a mess. It wasn't because that I wasn't fixable. It's because I didn't understand God's love in the space of brokenness. So, same thing with healing. If everything that God gives to us, God withholds nothing. God is not a withholder. What's the one thing that Satan told Adam and Eve? God's withholding something from you. God is not a withholder. God is a giver. I have met people that are takers. I have met people that are withholders, that are, they're always moving the line. You jump this rope and they move the rope, okay? They don't want you to receive, they want to control you to make you think that you know, they're underneath the space of what they want you to be. God is a giver. And so the way God gives is through his promises and his promises come alive through love. They don't come because you're perfect, because if they did, no one gets anything. They come because you understand love. So God creates these things called promises, and these promises are all active because you understand his love. So if I'm struggling receiving from God, it isn't because I don't have enough faith. It's because I don't have enough understanding of his love. His love is that big, and I need to understand. So when I watched my wife dealing with her migraine headaches, I said, God, I know I'm praying right. I know what your promises say. Why don't I have enough love? What is wrong? Help me understand. I didn't get mad at God. I got mad. I said, God, teach me how to receive love because faith works by, okay, faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6, okay? My car only works, I have to put E85 fuel in it because it has a special tune that gives me 60 more horsepower through E85 fuel. Me like E. All right, so I gotta go buy E85 fuel. I cannot put regular gas in it. If I do, I will wreck the car. 
So I have to get E. Some of you need to get some E85 fuel in your promises. Some of you got to get filled with his love to activate those promises. There is power in the promise, and the power comes from his love. We're going to y'all looking at me like I, it's the first time you ever heard this stuff. Okay, all right, Galatians 5, 6. See, love touches where people don't deserve a touch. Matthew 24, 12. Love shows your connection with God. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We are seeing so much wickedness. Culturally, we're seeing so much wickedness. So people are falling out of love with God. When the church needs to rise up and be the answer, there should be so much love of God in this room that lights us up. So much power of his love. Let Let me... Let me clarify. Number four, love can be shallow or deep. I can have shallow love for my wife or I can have deep love for my wife. I can have shallow love for your church family or I can have deep love. Let me, I can have shallow love for God. Is your love, in fact, I asked many of the elders today, I go, is your love growing? And one of my elders said something that probably couldn't have been more encouraging. He says, Pastor Ron, for the last year, we have watched your love for God grow stronger and stronger. I don't think I could have had a better encouraging word than that because it doesn't matter if I have all the answers because I don't. It doesn't matter if I do everything right because I won't. But man, if I can have a deeper love for God and more expressive, then faith has an opportunity to activate my life even more and more. For love can be shallow or deep. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray from your... His glorious, unlimited resources. He will empower you with the inner strength through His Spirit. So it sounds all good so far, right? Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And how all of this is going to happen? Unlimited resources, inner strength through His Spirit. And then how, here comes the condition. Verse 18, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how high how wide, how long, and how deep his love is. Do you see it? This is what it's talking about. You want inner strength? You need to know God's? Well, I got three of you. All right, you need, okay, you need inner strength. What do you need? His, his love. You need to have faith for your marriage. You need his you need a, you're struggling with your child. It's always going to be. You need to, first and foremost, you need to grow in his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. You'll never understand all of it. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. What do we talk about a full life? Full life, love. Love, full life. Number five, God's love is given through the Holy Spirit. Now that blue car that's in, we'd pass by when you went and parked, that's mine. I struggle driving 55. So God has given me the Holy Spirit and cruise control to fix that problem. Okay? So I always remember Romans 5, 5. This is a passage I can't because I struggle driving 55. Romans 5, 5. Okay? Here's what it says. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. Holy Spirit, lead my life. Not the throttle, not the accelerator, do not lead my life. Holy Spirit, lead my life. 
God's love, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Holy Spirit, inspire my life. Holy Spirit, convict my life. Holy Spirit, teach my life. Holy Spirit, give me understanding of life. Holy Spirit has got to be the lead. I can't drive 55, but I can be led to Romans 5.5. Number six, his expression inside of you will will produce a full life if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Here's what we went for the last seven weeks. Promises enable you to live a divine nature life. Supplement these promises. Supplement your faith. Moral virtue, excellence. Faith. Your faith with excellence, knowledge. Knowledge of who God is. With knowledge, it comes in there, we talked about self-control. With self-control, we talk about perseverance. With perseverance, we talk about godliness. With godliness, we talk about brotherly kindness. And the last one we just talked about today is love. Love isn't some kind of response. Love's a lead. We should be led by love, not waiting to be loved. There should be so much love of God inside of us that inspires us to do the miraculous. Because we have allowed the love of God to be shed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in our life. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I'm so thankful for simplicity. Lord, I'm a pretty simple person. And I'll make a mess of it. I'll probably say something, do something, twist something. But Holy Spirit, with you, can stay on track. Thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that my life could be cleansed and that you could send the Holy Spirit to live in my life, to live in our lives. With everybody's head bowed, I want you to pray this prayer of declaration to your God. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. I receive forgiveness, hope in my life. Holy Spirit, I lean to you for direction. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.